Tower, Pete Buttigieg talking about coming out as a gay man. Kind of an interesting little tale. Speaking of people that just uh, get your attention, he he is that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what he looks like on a debate stage. Boy, he's kind of an anti-AOC. He's young and, you know, he's getting a lot of attention, but he seems to be... He's an intellectual. Very reasonable, very smart, very well uh, acquainted with what he's talking about. He's just, you have to take him seriously, even if you disagree with him. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and, you know, well... What do we what do we got up there? Five hundred seventy four days till the election. Yeah. So I'm going to shut up now. Shut up. But we'll play that uh, coming up in just a little bit. So I've seen come across this in a couple different places. There are no statewide moves or anything like that, but there are a couple of different cities and counties that are talking about legalizing prostitution. With part of the argument coming out of the whole uh, sex trade problem that we've got in this country the number of sex slaves that we have in the United States. And the argument being, um, is there a way we could legalize prostitution? The people that want to engage in that, mostly from the John standpoint, those people could do what they do with legally mm-hmm. and just incredibly reduce the demand and ability for the illegal sex trade to exist. Right, right. The one thing you have to avoid, and uh, the pot merchants of California, Oregon, Washington would would tell you this, is if you put enormous taxes on it and breathtaking uh, uh, regulations, then there will still be a huge black market and you won't accomplish anything. Yeah, yeah, and the complexity of it. If you can buy illegal marijuana for half the price, and you were doing that before... Right. You knew a guy who would do it for you before, you just keep doing it. And yeah. if you're the sort of person that was going to prostitutes before, you were comfortable with it, doing it illegally before, right. and it's way cheaper. Yeah. God, yeah. I don't know, though. The penalty for getting, I I think, I, I would think that the penalty for getting caught with a with a prostitute is a way bigger deal than, who's, who's condemning somebody who gets caught with illegal marijuana? <laughs> In most of the country, virtually nobody. I mean, if you're like trafficking things. enormous amount, uh, enormous amounts across straight state lines, that's one thing. But just your simple user of the product, no, nobody's the no. whole prostitution there isn't much thing. Scandal. Is, it's it's not more really. and more to like kind of gambling now. Like, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, you, you gamble. Okay, all right. Whereas you get arrested in one of those uh, Robert Kraft specials. Yeah, one of those stings. That that's not a good look for your for yeah. you and your wife and your company and everything else. So right. There yeah. might be m- more of a willingness to pay more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have any idea. I have to guess on this, but um it seems like a pretty reasonable idea though. I would love the idea of doing away with freaking sex slaves, some of them underage, right. children, right. being used all around this country. And that way all the law enforcement resources could be devoted to that sort of horror. That sort of uh, the the sick perversion of mm. Guys who want to be with girls, and many of oh, whom, well, well okay. all of whom, by definition, are doing this against their will. Yeah, the people they the, can't consent. The weirdos that need to be locked up forever that are looking for underage women, they're going to continue to do illegal things. Yeah, but you could put a lot of so, way more social pressure than we do on Johns if you had legal prostitution. Look, it's legal; you can do it, and you're continuing to endorse sex trafficking, and this is the way it harms people. I mean, you you know, 
It, don't what, you think if they g- continue to go to illegal places, yeah. you mean? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Way right. more social pressure on that. Yeah. Look, there's no excuse for this. It's legal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this brings me to one of the great philosophical questions of our time, which has been decided and not in the way I would decide it. But it used to be that you had your moral code, which is established you know, by you and your life's philosophy and your church and, and your family and the rest of it. You had a moral code. Then you've got a legal code, which you know is just stuff absolutely we must forbid to have the society work properly. And, and there were many, many things you could do lawfully that you wouldn't do because they're immoral. But now there are so many laws and so many regulations, everybody assumes, well, if it's legal, it must be okay. And I just, I don't know. I think that's unhealthy. But that ship has sailed. Do you think? Because I would have, I wouldn't have guessed we are. We we would be. If you go back fifteen years, when we we've been doing this talk radio show for a long time, I wouldn't have guessed you have driver's licenses for illegals in no various way. places. I wouldn't have guessed gay marriage would have happened so fast. I wouldn't have guessed marijuana would be would be legalized. A lot mm-hmm. of these things, right? So, how about the prostitution thing? Uh-uh. Does that just sweep the nation all of a sudden? I think the the argument, as people are becoming more and more aware about sex trafficking and how awful it is, mm-hmm. and the various datelines and 2020s on that, and the Robert Kraft thing, even though that turned out not to be what that was. Yeah, that um, was weird. I don't know. I think there's a real desire to put an end to that. I think it, yes, I think it's, you know, much like pot is now within five, six years. Well, I'd be shocked if it were otherwise. God, and then you, in your city, you can really push it into a specific area. Mm-hmm. I, I hope our legislators would be smart enough. They're not, but I would hope they would be to look at the example of, say, uh, you know, the Netherlands, Amsterdam, which I've read a fair amount just because I went there as a young lad. I guess I was 22, and it made quite the impression on me, the whole red light district and the open prostitution and the rest of it. So I've kind of had an interest in it, and it's um, it, it is still... According to every major religion, some of which more practice this more sincerely than others, but um, it's still sinful and immoral and to be avoided. Selling your body to yes. other humans for yes. pleasure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it and, doesn't sound doesn't sound sexy when I state it like that. Yeah. Well, it's fraught with sadness and health problems and psychological problems, and it's just it's not pretty. Even when it's legal, it's not pretty, and so it will continue to be a challenge. But I don't need. I don't know that it needs to be a law enforcement. Well, what it would be at this point is would it be become like? And we're Mar- not talking about street walking hoes in neighborhoods, by the way. That's that's out. It's completely it, out. Is it like the marijuana issue in that? Look, it's happening already. There's no stopping it. Nobody's even really trying to stop it. Right. It's a joke. It, it makes a joke of the law. To just allow it to be ignored so much. That's the argument. Hmm. It's tough, though. It's tough. It's like, you know, they, they pull you over doing 85 on the highway. Uh, the speed limit's 65. But if they don't pull you over for 85, people are going to be doing 105. And there's the argument to be made. Yeah, you bust it once in a while to remind people that it's illegal and it keeps it under a certain level. Hmm. You know, maybe those people are right. One more. Ask Sodom and Gomorrah, smote by the hand of the Almighty Jack. The Bible! That's right, Mr. President. One more note before we take a break and hear Mayor Pete talking about coming out as a gay man. Um, uh, Kavanaugh, do you remember him? Supreme Court Justice? I do. I do. 
an incredibly uh, highly respected uh, jurist. Talked about as a gang rapist briefly in America. Uh, uh, for that reason, I'm in guessing. In high school. Yeah. Or actually, I don't know what a reason. You tell me. He's scheduled to teach a class this summer at George Mason University, and students uh, are asking the university to bar him from teaching a summer course. So. I'm sure they are, Jack. Because... I'm sure they are. Because he's clearly, uh, some woman said, a bad guy in high school. Or is it just because he's too attached to Trump? Is it just that? Well, he's a Trump that, guy. that factors in, sure. Yeah. I'd like to know how many students... Do you see that story? I'd meant to get to it, but we didn't, from Harvard, where one of their top professors, and this guy is wildly progressive. Well, he's... Uh, he's become part of Harvey Weinstein's defense team. And so all the Harvard snowflakes are saying, we don't feel safe with him on campus anymore. We feel unsafe. We're not safe. And they're trying to get him barred from the university because he's helping Harvey Weinstein. It's just ridiculous. College students. I tell you what, they used to just get drunk and fornicate and shut up. Those were the days, I'm telling you. Listen, get drunk, <laughs> fornicate, and shut up. Oh, boy. Your children. You know, a lot of people think a lot of things when they're children. But, you know, you're going to grow up, and you're going to think back to this time, and you're going to think, wow, I was kind of a loud mouth with barely half an idea what I was talking about. So just settle down. All right? Let the grown-ups make the decisions. Does that sound condescending? Good. It's supposed to. If I could buy stock in a candidate that's stock is clearly rising, it'd be Mayor Pete. Obviously on the upswing, we'll hear a little from him coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Street lights along the highway. Throwing shadows. Guys, this texter says the Chinese spy was the one meant to get caught while the real one did her work undetected. It's just like the Spies Like Us movie, which I haven't seen. You send in the dummy decoy to get caught in misdirection. That was Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd? I don't know if that's the best movie to quote for spies. Mm. So that, that woman that got caught going into Mar-a-Lago, she had a cell phone and a thumb drive with 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 viruses on it. Uh, CB, the, the FBI checked that out. Back in her hotel room, she had $8,000, a signal detector to find hidden cameras and audio devices, four more cell phones, an external hard drive, and, and, and more stuff, so... She's either a complete wackadoo or a spy. Seems odd that she would have all the stuff on her that she did. Wouldn't you just have enough to accomplish the mission? Plus, you know, your grappling hooks to climb up the walls and your black cat suit, naturally. I appreciate the fact that Mayor Pete uh, doesn't appear to be running 
as the first gay man to run for president or whatever. He, he, he almost never comes up. In fact, I've seen a couple of interviews where the only reason it came up was the interviewer asked it. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he didn't bring it up himself. Because I don't like identity politics, and, and uh, he also doesn't do that with his military service much. Right. I've seen a couple of interviews where he didn't bring that up until the interviewer brought it up. Yeah. He oh. seems to be trying to run on policy. We'll see how that works. But anyway, he did talk about um, uh, coming out as a gay man yesterday. When I was younger, I would have done anything to not be gay. If you had offered me a pill to make me straight... I would have swallowed it before you had time to give me a sip of water. It was a hard thing to think about now. So I thought it's that was fa- I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't know I don't know where we are with somebody gay running for president. I have contended for a long time that while Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton both talked a lot about trying to overcome what was holding them back. I think Barack Obama got more votes than he lost by being black, and I guarantee you Hillary Clinton got more votes than she lost for being a woman. Beyond dispute. She would have gotten even less votes if she was the same crappy, crappy candidate but was a man. <laughs> Utterly without appeal. So they yes. weren't things that held them back. They helped them get elected. All she had was a D next to her name and her female parts. But we had moved... Other than that... Utterly charmless. Was there a time when being black would have would have gotten you less votes than if you're a white guy? Absolutely, sure. and yeah. same with a woman. But that's not where we are now. Mm-mm. But are, are we there with gay with a, with a gay guy? Will he will that be? Uh, will he get less votes for being gay than if he were straight? Because I'm not sure it holds up for gay the way it does for a woman or black. Yeah, I don't. That's a hard thing to to figure out. You'd have to have you know extensive university studies featuring a variety of gay and straight candidates with a variety of positions on a variety of issues and then people rating them you know in those uh, psychological well, just, studies you they gotta do guess what's your that what's i your... used to do in school for i think it was ten dollars a throw which was really good money at the time so <laughs> i sit there for an hour and answer questions about does that look bluer to you or greener <laughs> uh, green i guess <laughs> When do I get my money? At the end. <laughs> so I'm just wondering what you think of the national mood is. I'm not saying there aren't racists that wouldn't vote for Barack Obama because he's black, but I just think for every person that wouldn't have voted for him because he's black, there were one and a half or two people that got motivated to go to the polls that normally wouldn't right. because he was black. It was a net yeah. win. That's right. what I believe. I don't know that. I can't prove that. Yeah, I but think you're right, But how about for though. gay? Oh, man. I'm and I think there's, and polls do show there's practically nobody that holds being a woman against somebody running for president. Right. That's it's almost it, no one. That was a pathetic bit of excuse making by Hillary as she makes the rounds. I think misogyny played a very big role. Oh, you wish. Um, so back to your question, which I find very interesting. Ah, gosh. You guess, Sean. What's your guess? Do you think being gay gets you more votes or less votes? Probably more. Interesting. Ah, on the I think, left, I think you could be right. Yes. Yeah, I would say among the progressive Democrats, yes. I can't imagine basing my vote on the fact that he's gay or not. I'm going to say, I'm just, and this is a wild guess. I'm just, and I really, I would like to think about this for a while, but I'm thinking about all of America, all the, you know, the span from far right to far left, uh, the regions of the country, the religious denominations. There's a lot that has to go into this Um, because, you know, black is a racial group. Um, and, and we've been dealing with the concept of race and, and humanity for a long time in this country. Whereas, uh, you know, sexual, uh, tendent, whatever, orientation is a lot newer thing for people to talk about right, and, and really you, be open about. You know, and I cut off Mayor Pete before he got to the part about 
it not being a choice. That's that's part of his point there. If I could have not been gay, yeah, why? I'd why did a, you cut him off? Because he's gay. I did <laughs> exactly right. I'm not listening to a gay guy. Right. Um, he said, "If it is a choice, it was a choice that was made much above my pay grade." Yeah, God chose me to he, be gay. He looked above to the the uh, the Almighty, and he made the point there that he really wanted to be straight. I'm but saying, he's not. I am saying a mm, small but significant negative at mm. this point, just across the entire electorate, in terms Although, of the general election. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the general, Hard not not in the uh, the primary. And listen, if you, the, the religious, if you think I'm wrong, you're probably right. I don't know. The religious conservatives that would believe believe it's still a... Um, I shouldn't assign who it is. Anybody who still believes it's a choice and would hold that against him, they probably weren't going to vote for the Democrat anyway. Yeah, so, or those who believe it's not a choice, but it's still a sin. They weren't going to vote for the Democrat anyway, so I'm not sure how probably that might... Probably not. So then, you, so then you get to the other side of how many people does it motivate to go to the polls that don't normally go to the polls. Right. Because he is gay. Right. That's why I just think it might be a net win. Well, well, right. So that's why I was describing the multiple tests at the university setting. Because if you had a a, a black communist running, you know, in 1972, for instance. Who owns a lizard. Right. Or even worse, a snake. <laughs> um, why would people be voting against that, man? It's difficult to nail down. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Russia's President Putin weighs in on the Mueller report. We've got new warnings about measles in America, and we did it. Celebs and others pleading guilty in the college admission cheating case. Finally, justice. <laughs> we can be safe in our homes again. Yeah. Now that Larry Lachlan is behind bars, or will be. That's, that whole scandal's so funny. Everybody knew it was happening. Now we know it's happening, and we know it will continue happening. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So on the Mayor Pete being gay discussion. Yeah. And if you're just joining us, by the way, it's been settled. (laughs) His husband says he is. And if you're just joining us, I have noticed at least in two long interviews that I've seen with him, he doesn't bring it up. So um, me bringing it up is is not him bringing it up. Uh, We got one text. There's no way I'd ever vote for an openly gay candidate. Has nothing to do with sex. It's about someone who thinks anyone cares about their personal sex life. It's irrelevant. I don't want to know. Well, that's well. Wait a minute, though. Well, I'd I'd he, like to have that discussion with that person. He he's not pitching it. You'd have to be in the closet for people to not know. Right. Exactly. If he makes reference to his husband in the same way I would make reference to Judy, well, then suddenly you know I'm hetero. I don't understand that argument. Will being gay help him get more votes or hurt him getting votes? As for Mayor Pete's electability, I think it depends on what kind of gay he is. If he's the kind of gay person who walks naked through the streets of San Francisco having sex with ten guys during the gay pride parade, their text, me reading texts, is not... Right. Uh, then tweets are not endorsements. Exactly. Then he's not electable, but if he's level-headed and measured and you wouldn't know he was gay if he didn't tell you, which is my impression of him, then I don't think it's going to matter in this case at all. Which seems to be the case. Right. Remember when Minneapolis was uh, named the gayest city in America and that bothered San Francisco? <laughs> And uh, the Daily Show, I think it was the Daily Show or Colbert. We need to get gayer, San Francisco. <laughs> and they, they, they had a, a, a gay couple from Minneapolis who were just, well, we go to Target on the weekends and we mostly do lawn work during the week. I mean, it was just very normal suburban life. Right, yeah. But not the kind of stuff that is often portrayed in San Francisco. Right. 
walking down the street with nothing but a rainbow hammock, a uh, banana hammock covering your genitals. <laughs> Sometimes not even that. Right. Oh, yeah, I know. Anyway, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, Attorney General Bill Barr is not answering questions about whether the White House has seen or been briefed on the Mueller report. In fact, he's staying pretty, uh, pretty mum on most of the questions about the Mueller report. I'm not going to say anything more about it until the report is out and everyone has a chance to look at it. Barr says the full report must be released first before any other major questions can be answered. He you says, know, no wild speculation at all. No arguing about something someone hasn't seen. No, none, none, Mr. Attorney General, none. Yeah, that's correct. <sighs> Barr said he's going to have more to say when he testifies before the Senate and House Judiciary Committees after he releases the Mueller final report. Well, going on to stress. From my standpoint, uh, by the, by, uh, within a week, I will be in a position to release the port to the public. Within a week, he'll release it to the public. There you go. Wow, we're going to get to read it within a week. That's my to-do reading as soon as it hits. And how many pages is it going to be? 500 pages? Is that what it is now? Four is what I've heard, yeah. That's a lot of pages. Yep. And that's when the president obstructed. It's blanked out. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get to read it. When he obstructs. It's a clever (laughs) cover-up. Meanwhile, Russian President Vladimir Putin says special counsel Mueller's investigations report validated Moscow's repeated denials of collusion with the U.S. between President Donald Trump's campaign or anybody else, saying, and quote, a mountain gave birth to a mouse. That's what Putin said. He was speaking at a uh, forum in uh, St. Petersburg today. Meanwhile, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar says President Trump's top aide on immigration policy is a white nationalist. The first-term Minnesota Muslim Democrat tweeted last night, Stephen Miller is a white nationalist. The fact that he well, still he's ha- white and he's a nationalist, so I guess she's right. The fact he still has influence on policy and political appointments is an outrage. Whatever nationalist her means. Tweet. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's a Be tough quiet. One. Uh, Israeli voters, by the way, are... Uh, have been going to the polls today to decide whether longtime Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu remains in power. I wonder what time we'll get results. So uh, probably maybe late what this morning. Right? What time is it in Israel? I think they're eight to ten hours ahead of us. It's year 4032. Eight to ten hours? Okay. Well, yeah. that's a guesstimate. Yeah. Close enough. He is seeking a fourth consecutive uh, term, fifth overall term, but he's facing a, sti- a stiff challenge from retired military chief Benny Gantz. However, Netanyahu still appears to have the best chance of actually forming a coalition with a smattering of small nationalist parties backing him. Yeah, old uh, uh, Bibi is considered right. This guy, uh, this other guy's running is center-right, and most of the energy among the young, I guess, is on the far right. right. So They're yeah. 11 hours ahead of us 11. in Tel Aviv. All right, it's pretty close. So then. we could be getting our results, I think. I mean, if it's a clear win. I don't know how long they have they to take do a to recount. Votes. Yeah. What do they have, like 6 million eligible voters, I think I heard? Something like so that. It shouldn't take too long. So, uh, BB would be, it would be his fifth term. Yeah. I'm correct. just against that in general in democracies. I just, I don't think anybody should be in charge for that long. I just yeah, don't I think it's probably good. Although it's, it's only 10 years. So, I mean, it's, it's a little longer than a two-term president, but it's not like they serve six-year terms right. or something like that. He's not some African warlord. And, and, you know, I would doubt that he wins the next one, honestly. Because there's a growing, uh, we're just tired of him feeling in sure. Israel. He's running and the against, feeling that you ought to have change. He's running against his former chief of staff. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
More than a dozen people, including actress Felicity Huffman, are pleading guilty in the college admissions fraud scandal case. That's a good good plan to plead guilty because you are guilty. <laughs> Huffman facing... What was her kid? A fake hockey player or something like that? Uh, no, they paid... Uh, fake tennis? No, Huffman paid fifteen grand to uh, participate in a college entrance exam cheating scheme for her ah, oldest daughter. Right. She had somebody else take the test. Yeah. But Huffman, and that's full-on cheating right oh, there. Oh, yeah. But Huffman says in her statement, my daughter knew absolutely nothing about my actions, and in my misguided and profoundly wrong way, I have betrayed her. I just thought my daughter was too stupid to get into the kind of college she wanted to get into, and rather than have a conversation about it or try harder or whatever, I did this. Nice, nice deal. Wild Night, Wild Night in Minneapolis as the Cavaliers pulled off their overtime victory against Texas Tech, clinching the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship for the first time in that school's history. Down into the hands of Hunter, and Virginia with the all-time turnaround title. Virginia clearly getting redeemed after being the first number one seed to lose to a number 16 seed in 2018. From humiliation to triumph. Indeed. You know, back to your last story, the college admissions thing. I'm enjoying these people, the rich and powerful who pull strings, getting their comeuppance. On the other hand, the college admissions thing is so stupid. I mean, the whole process is so dumb. The fact that they decided to figure out a way to get around it, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, well, the it's whole a college system. thing is so messed yeah, up now. The whole yeah. thing is ridiculous. From top to bottom. There you go. That's it's hard what... to get much indignation worked up, honestly. Like I said, like you said, I'm enjoying it, but <laughs> I don't think it's of any great significance. Do I think tomorrow morning some rich person somewhere will use their money to get their kid into a school next year? Yes, I do. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. Oh, Squawky. Squawky, the bald eagle. We keep him chained in the studio to remind us of freedom. <laughs> so we have a reporter on the ground in Iowa who works with the Washington Examiner who says the whole Beto thing is kind of uh, run out of steam. What? My Beto t-shirt hasn't even gotten to my house yet. We're trying out this reporter. He might be our go-to on-the-ground-in-Iowa guy. Yeah. Clear through next January. Yep. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Oh, okay. In Texas, we have a problem with broadband in rural communities. People cannot start businesses in their hometown or finish their education after high school because they can't get online. They can't go to Tinder and find a date tonight to find that special person who's going to make the difference in their lives. I want to make sure every American has that opportunity. There you go. That was Beto. Remember, that was the his, his launch weekend when he was on the cover of Vanity Fair and he was on the coffee table in Iowa. and Standing on lunch counters in Iowa. 
And then unsanitary. A, and then a couple of your major progressive publications came out immediately and said, "This guy's a windbag. He's right. got nothing." Yeah. Immediately yeah. got lambasted by the intellectual left, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And I feel like he's run out of steam, although it's so damned early. It, you know, it's hard oh, to say. Right. A lot of a lot of the kids still like him. Joe Simonson joins us. Joe is a campaign reporter for the Washington Examiner. He's been writing about top politics for quite some time now and been spending a lot of time on the ground in Iowa as well. Joe, well, how are I'm you? We're on the air in Iowa now. Ames, Iowa, where my dad went to college. Hello, it, Ames. It's an honor in, in Des Moines and everybody else in that area. And my relatives to Canal listen, which can is I very int- exciting. Can I introduce the guest? Or? Man, I'm still going to talk about Iowa. Hey, Joe. For all my relatives. Joe live. Simonson, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? Excellent. Hey, so uh, how goes uh, the sh- the ship of Beto's candidacy in Iowa? What did, what did you observe? Yeah, well, I think I think what what, what Beto is noticing is that he's kind of coming he coming back down to reality. Uh, you, you mentioned at the beginning of the segment that um, you know when he announced that he was running for president, you know he was still coming off of his Senate campaign, which he was really uh, a media darling um, despite losing. And, uh, you know, the problem is, is when there's 20 other Democrats running, um, you know, it's hard to keep that spotlight for so long. And uh, you mentioned uh, on policy and things like that, um, there's not a whole lot that distinguishes him. I mean, you know, some people think he's kind of just, just like handsome, charming guy. But when you got 20 other people, that's not really enough to distinguish you. I found handsome, charming working that works really well. You can just get through life on that. <laughs> Um, so, but how about his crowd, how about his crowds and that sort of stuff? I know I read your article and they seem to be uh, sure. waning somewhat. Yeah, no, uh, I, I would say that, uh, the turnout was not great. Uh, it was a, it was a Sunday afternoon, which is kind of peculiar timing, uh, for Iowans, uh, you know, talking to people there, they said, well, you know, I, people are going to church. Uh, it was on a college campuses. Their kids are hungover. You know, they're, they're not going to come out at 12 o'clock and they're not going to come out for necessarily Beto because, you know, what exactly is this guy all about? And people people aren't really sure. Um, you know, he, he might have been inspiring to some Texas Democrats, but bringing that over to Iowa is a whole different story. Well, there's also the we just hate Ted Cruz enthusiasm. Yeah. That doesn't sure. exist when, you, when you've got this big field of Democrats. Right. If it's Cory Booker the, on the yeah. other side. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so well, it, yeah. go ahead, Joe. No, I'm just going to say that uh, I think that the Ted Cruz point is, is really salient, um, and that's that's also why I get so much media attention. I mean, you know, he's not running against Ted Cruz in 2020, and his, his fellow Democrats aren't Ted Cruz. Um, That'd be weird so, if they were. <laughs> <laughs> it would be weird, but politics could only get weirder, I'm sure. Yeah, amen uh, to that. Uh, but no, I think that I think that's a really it's a great point. I mean, there's no kind of like enemy that he's going up against. He's going against fellow Democrats, so then you know it's also the media is not necessarily going to favor him as much anymore. Bernie's drawing big crowds with lots of energy still, but he's not crisscrossing Iowa, is he? Uh, he he has been. Uh, I, I followed Bernie around last weekend. Okay, uh, he was all over the the eastern part of the state. Um, yeah, no, his crowds, the enthusiasm is is as high as it's ever been. Uh, I, I certainly consider him the front runner. Um, he's treating uh, the 2020 race as if he is the front runner. And uh, people who go to Bernie rallies aren't just there to hear what Bernie has to say. They're there because they plan to caucus for him. Mm. Wow. So, so you would say that Bernie's energy and, and crowd size and all is sustained and Beto's is not? Well, absolutely. I mean, where, where I saw uh, Beto was in, uh, was in Iowa City, which is a college town. It's got 100,000 people. Um, it's got suburbs surrounding it. Um, and 
you know, he, he maybe drew like 100 people, 150 people, but I, I went to Bernie in smaller towns like Muscatine, Fairfield, Iowa, uh, much smaller, not cities, kind of more charming local towns. And, I mean, he was getting 200, 300 people in these types of events. And, again, I mean, these are towns of a, a quarter or a fifth of the population. I know Muscatine, Iowa. It's very tiny. Um, well, that's interesting. So you're you're on the ground, and that's the sense you have. Is is it pretty obvious when you're in Iowa that there's a presidential election going on, or is it still too early for that? I think it's a little early. Um, I, I think you know Iowans Iowans do enjoy this. Um, they like getting to meet the candidates, but uh, you know the candidates are going to be in Iowa for for oh, some time now. I think until January is when the caucus is. Um, so you know they're kind of feeling everything out. But again, when it comes to someone like a bernie sanders um you know they're ready uh they're ready to go see him they'll see him more than once they're excited even though you know we're six months away eight months away from caucus time uh you know they're definitely geared up for him even this far out yeah it's one of the interesting aspects of politics that many in the media like to ignore that sometimes the most energetic fringes of politics there aren't enough human beings to get anybody elected there and they're enthusiastic as hell but they're just too small in number um, so that's one point as to Bernie's uh, crowds. But I was listening to a feature on NPR this morning, Nakedly Progressive Radio, and they were talking to a bunch of uh, college kids. Um, and, and one of them made the comment that, yeah, I really like uh, Beto, but um, at this point, if you have any conflict with somebody's speech or whatever, yeah. you'll say, I'll see him the next time. Because they're always right. oh, yeah. around. Yeah, good point. Uh, somebody called and said, do you want to go get pizza? So I didn't go. Right. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's a. I think that's a. That's a really good point too. Is that because? The but not a salient stuff. point like I made earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it was an eight out of ten. The last one was a ten out of ten. But wow. um, all right, I can accept I that. The hearts from the Russian judges. But uh, yeah. I think that. Um, I think that's a good point about if 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 you really aren't getting that maintained support even this far out. The field is so big, and it's really going to be hard for someone like Beto to be like you know eight months down to be like you should stick with me. Because you're going to have people who are actually elected to the Senate. You have governors running. Uh, you have people like Bernie Sanders running. And people, you know, the, the average primary voter in Iowa, you know, basically agree with Bernie. Uh, they, they like what he has to say. They might think that he can't win a general. But, um, you know, in terms of, like, these kind of second-tier candidates, and that's where I put Beto, I mean, why, why support Beto over Buttigieg? I, I mean, was just going to say, have you heard anything about uh, Mayor Pete there on the streets of Iowa? Uh, well, you know, he's doing well in polls. I mean, he's he's polling above Beto. Uh, he's got about double his support. Beto's at uh, five to six percent. Uh, Buttigieg is at ten to twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, uh, this is just a, a mayor. Uh, you know, South Bend's a real city, of course. But uh, Beto was in Congress for three terms. Yes, yeah, um, so what? And- Please, <laughs> I got I got a dog, really smart dog. He could get elected in Congress. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, is that, like, Beto is, you know, for better or for worse, was a statesman of sorts. And, um, you know, he, he's polling behind someone who, you know, Buttigieg couldn't win uh, an Iowa congressional election, most likely. And he definitely couldn't win uh, statewide in, in Indiana. Um, but, again, people seem to be more attracted to Buttigieg than Beto, even though on policy they're, you can't distinguish them. Joe Simonson's campaign reporter for the Washington Examiner. Joe, well done. Really enjoyed it. Thanks a million. Let's do it again. Thanks for having me. You got it. I joke regularly, and we'll continue to, that we have 575 days left or whatever it is, 474 days to the election. 574. But we only have... Tick-tock, tick-tock. But we only have like two and a half months till the first debate. Mm-hmm. 
and then they start the actual voting, which is still a ways off in January. But yeah, but if we winnow months. the field down the half on the Democrat side, right. we'll have like a dozen people. Um, what what's Bernie's life expectancy? <laughs> I mean, doesn't wouldn't he? Wouldn't it be legitimate to say he's in the last ten years of his life? Certainly. Oh yeah, and he could well, easily yeah, be in likely. The last, he could be almost certainly in the last ten years of his life. Right. That'd get him to eighty-eight. Yes. And he could be in the last five years or a couple of years. Is that a threat? No, it's just it's just. Have kinda, you ever met a Secret Service agent? Would you like to? It's just kind of odd talking about an election that will happen in a year, year and a half. Yeah. For a four-year term for, for a guy that who knows how many years he's got left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's so easy to be misled uh, by uh, any individual report or story or whatever This at this point, because... I heard this morning how uh, all these college kids who last time around caucused for Bernie or not really or, or contributed to his campaign, got stickers and the rest of it, are really looking at the other people this time around. Of course, that had to do with the fact that they had either the Wicked Witch of the East or Bernie to choose from. Hmm. I mean, or Martin O'Malley, was that his name? Yeah. Bring back the metric system. Right. Right. So, yeah, I don't, we should I don't be on know. the metric system, by the way. I was talk, talking to my kids about that the other day. It's just so much easier. It just makes more sense. Anyway, it's really oh, I yeah. think I, I, I think it's a bad look for us that we're just stubborn and refuse to give up on it. How many thumb drives with malware you got over there, spy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably French. There's no good reason to not use base 10. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Please, you're trying to cook and all and trying to figure out how many ounces in a teaspoon. Right. How many, it's ridiculous. How many tablespoons in a hog's head? And how many quid to a barrel? or How whatever. many shekels in a fortnight? Right. <laughs> exactly. you got to have a chart. There's no way to live. <laughs> Stay tuned. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.